Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all but feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hello and welcome to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. I'm Jules, your co-host. If you're new to this type of work, please start with episode one. Intermediate students, you can start with episode 98, and if you're advanced, go ahead and fast forward all the way to episode 200. With me, as always, to share her insight and wisdom is the spirit doctor herself, Kelly Sparta. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Kelly. What's on your Christmas list? <laughs> I've been watching so many Christmas movies. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I, I, I've been watching like the Santa Claus, like one and two, and, and now I'm getting ready for three, and, I, and I'm making Mitch sit there and watch them with me. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. We, we did the Christmas Chronicles, and now we're working on the Claus family, uh, one, two, and three. And uh, yeah, we, we have this projector that we set up in our living room and we just moved the, the couch over and we project it up against the wall. So it's like having our own in-home theater in the living room. It's awesome. And so we're, we're, we're doing a lot of that instead of trimming the tree because, you know, I, I, I love having a decorated house. I hate decorating. So I, I tried to hire somebody to decorate for me. And, you know, just to give you a point of reference here in Panama, the average a uh, person works for about $25 a day. So I figured, yeah, 25, 50 bucks to get it done. Well, she wanted to charge me 125. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> like, I don't think so. <laughs> she looked at me and saw the gringo and went, woo, you know, and just milk her for some cash. So what I really wanted was to hire a service to come in and put it all up, take it all down, take it all away. I didn't want to have to own it. So instead, I had to buy all the supplies, and then she wanted to charge me 125 on top of it. I was like, mm, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So yeah, no. um, yeah, but they did open up the roads for a few days here in Panama. So we actually got some shipments of 
of propane, which would have been great, except that we had already given our tanks to somebody who takes it away and fills it up and then brings it back a week later. So we still don't have propane in our extra tank, but that's all right. It's coming. It'll be here in the next few days. So, um, the uh, the protests are not officially over. They opened up the roads for a couple of days when they declared the mining contract to be uh, unconstitutional, but that doesn't actually fix anything because it's already signed and Panama is being sued in an international court right now for breach of contract and all this other stuff. So the, the Panamanians that are protesting are saying, you know, we're not going to we're not going to give up on this protest until this is settled. And I'm like, that could be freaking years, man. <laughs> what the hell? You know, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're, we're mostly functional, you know, but it's, it's, yeah, it's getting to be an interesting, interesting journey over here. So we just ordered some it's an uh, adventure. It is. We just ordered a <laughs> UV light for our, uh, water supply for the house so that um, because we've been having a hard time getting the five gallon jugs and I'm really feeling bad about the environment with all the, the, you know, two liter or three liter, five liter jugs we've been buying and going through for drinking water. So I'm, I just ordered that. So hopefully it'll get through the blockades and get to us so that we can install that and stop wasting plastic. Um, you know, I didn't feel bad with the with the five gallon jugs because you know you buy four of them and you use them over and over again. You just trade them in, right? But this is uh, I don't feel good about this, so we got to fix it. No more plastics. Ah, ah, ah. So, <laughs> and it'll be a lot cheaper. It's another bonus, but you know that was not the motivation. I'm just tired of looking at plastic bottles all over my house. So, um, yeah, you know, but summer's here, and. Uh, and the, the rainbows have started. I posted a picture of one on my Facebook. I saw that. Very pretty. Yes. They are the most beautiful rainbows I've ever seen. They're amazing. So They're uh, huge, too. Oh, massive. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, there was one that went across the entire sky. And the coolest thing happened the other night. Like, we were going into the local store, you know, little bodega here. Well, I should say, I shouldn't say little, it's big, but it's not what you think of as big It's big for here. Right. And so we were going into this store and this random Panamanian guy looks at me and goes, Oh, and the moon had just risen over the mountains and it was the most beautiful thing. And a random guy stopped me to point at the moon and say, how beautiful is that? That would never happen in the U.S. It would never happen, right? But here, everybody, I literally looked up and everyone had stopped from what they were doing and were staring at and watching the moon rise over the mountains. It was such a quintessential Panamanian moment. And it was so wonderful because Jeff was actually right behind me and we had already looked at the moon and seen it. And so when this guy stopped me, I was like, I know, right? And so... But it was just, it, it, it just stuck out as being so different than being in the States, right? And it, it's, just, it's just so cool. But, and I came into town the other day and somebody was like, did you see the rainbow on the way in? <laughs> like, yes, here we talk about the moon and rainbows. We finally had our first fire of the season. We are about a month behind having our outside campfire, but they finally lifted the burn ban because we finally got rain and some good rain. Yay. So now, you know, we're out by the fire and now it's turned 
you know, chillier, you know, about like in the 30s and 40s. And then we ran out of propane. So in the middle of the night, as the heater was was on, because we live in a RV. And uh, so, yeah, we woke up. It was 46 degrees in the house. <laughs> so, so I said, this is training for later whenever we move up north. It's all good, you know. <laughs> So, but we have a right. We have a guest today. We have Miss Connie Whitman with us. Hey guys, excited to be here. I'm so excited because Connie, Connie, and I met. Where did we meet? We met on some networking thing, right? Um, I'm trying to remember which one, but maybe the band Shannon. No, Shannon. Prosa? I don't know. Shannon Procise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. met mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. So, and and of course, we vibed. And, you know, Connie was like, you have to come on my podcast. And I was like, you have to come on my podcast. And so we're just doing the podcast exchange thing here because we just loved each other so much that we had to do it. So um, let me let me introduce Connie properly instead of just going, hi. <laughs> it's me. What do you expect? We're just running by the seat of our pants here. Right. So um, so. Connie is actually known for her high energy, passionate, heart-centered, and enthusiastic approach to sales, teaching, and coaching. Uh, Connie Whitman has been the CEO of the of Changing the Sales Game for 20-plus years, helping business owners, leaders, and sales teams build powerhouse organizations. She is a three-time number one best-selling author. Holy shit. Inc- she didn't write that. <laughs> Including her... ESP, Easy Sales Process, Seven Steps to Sales Success. Uh, and that is the book. That's what we're going to be talking about today is the easy sales process, the ESP thing. So for those of you who are spiritual entrepreneurs, listen up. She's also a speaker and a podcast host, which we talked about. And her inspired teaching, transformational tools and content ensure business owners and salespeople grow their revenue streams through enhanced in- communication skills. She is thrilled to share the inspiring content on her international podcasts, Changing the Sales Game and Enlightenment of Change. And Enlightenment of Change is the one that I was on. So if you're on the mailing list, you've probably... Oh, Connie, did you send me that one yet? I think it's publishing next week. Okay. So by the time this episode airs, if you're on the mailing list, you will have already seen it come out on the newsletter that happens once a week, where we recap everything I've done for the for the previous week. So um, that one was pretty cool. And you know what I love about you, Connie, is that you are both the the hardcore, grounded, no nonsense businesswoman, really solid salesperson, and you speak fluent spiritual, and you live with your energy in the ethers like the rest of us weirdos out here, right? So. I love that about you because you and I share that. That's one of the reasons why we vibe so much is that we're like grounded woo is what I call it. It's the grounded I, I woo. I love my woo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. We, we, we love the woo. So, so tell us about the seven-step process. Tell us about ESP. Okay. So first, the, let's talk about the title because I really deliberately chose ESP because sales is there's an element of that connectivity at the subconscious level. And I think we forget that. And we, we think that sales is all in conscious 
uh, mind, which is nonsense because 5% of our life, right, is conscious, 95% is subconscious. So why would it be any different with our sales skills? So ESP, my ESP, I think is easier than ESP, you know, extrasensory perception, because mine is just a sales process that is teachable, learnable, and then just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Once you got it, you got it. So um, I wanted to just mention that, that really there was a deliberate choice of that title uh, specifically. Now, through, through my 40 years in sales, uh, guys, here's the reality. You know, in the beginning, I can't tell you the number of mistakes I made as well um, as you're learning, right, from others teaching us. And I'll tell you, Cal, the funny thing was when I first started my sales career, it my my background is financial sales. So I was a financial advisor, wealth advisor, all of that, right? Um, I like money. It's a good thing, right? Because we need money to live. but and, and not only to live, but to to share, right? To share, do bigger in the world. Like you were talking about the, the, um, the jugs. We have to be mindful of all of these things, right? We really are one in the universe. So I, I, I love what you were saying about that. But anyway, so when I started in sales, I was trained that hardcore, don't take no for an answer, ask for referrals the first time you meet people. And I remember I'm, I'm a rule follower. I'm a good Catholic girl. You know, I was raised in, in that realm, you know, with, with very Italian parents. And I remember when I got my, when I got into sales and I was being trained saying to my manager, I'm not doing that. And he would yell at me like, like an animal, yell at me as if I was an idiot. Right. And he would literally say, you're an idiot. And I would say, that doesn't feel right to me. So he thought I was a crazy lunatic. Uh, fast forward within five years in the financial sales realm and all these men, it was all 43 men and myself in the office. All these men were coming up to me saying, how do you have so many appointments? And I'm like, oh, my friend, so-and-so, I met them last year. I helped their family with the insurance and investments. They referred and they were looking at me like, how are you doing that? And I realized early on, I was human. <laughs> Imagine that. I was kind. I was respectful. I listened to what people had to say. I understood them before I even opened my mouth with a recommendation. So for me, sales is really showing people respect and love. And in the first chapter of my book, ironically, is called Love. And I think the first sentence says something like, if you're not selling from a place of love, care, and respect, please stop. You're doing it wrong. Read on, read on to learn how to, right? Um, but it's funny because I was a kid, you know, I was in my 20s uh, out of college. And what he was teaching didn't feel right. So see that subconscious has always served me, even though back then I, I didn't realize it was intuition, subconscious, right? The universe, um, all the things that we know so well now. Well, and there's something so very desperate sounding about asking for a referral the moment you meet somebody. It's, it's just icky, right? Now I got the same training in real estate and what I did because I followed instructions, right? I, I followed the instructions, but what I said was, you know, here's how I work. Here's how I spend my time. And this is, you know, if you are happy with me, when, as we're going through this process, what I'm going to ask is that you, uh, you know, refer the people to me because right now when you're out in the world looking for houses and talking about houses, you're going to meet a lot more people who are looking for houses and talking about houses too. And so this is the perfect time to be able to send me some referrals and so long as you're happy with me, if you'd be willing to do that, I would be happy to have them, right? And so I, I changed everything they told me <laughs> because they said, oh, well, just tell them it's expected. And I'm like, I, I don't like that. <laughs> like, 
that feels icky to me. And I'm not, no. And so I, I adjusted it, but I still asked for it, but I adjusted it because I too am human, right? <laughs> so yeah, so totally true. Totally true. Yeah. And, and there's the desperation thing is such a problem because if people are desperate, if you smell like you're desperate, nobody's going to do business with you. It's like dating, right? You don't date the desperate person. That's right. Or if you're afraid of dogs, the dog knows you're afraid, right? They, there's a sense. Again, that's that subconscious realm that we're always functioning in. So you have to show up confident and knowledgeable and believing with what you're doing. I believed I was helping people. So when I'm being told, demand it, demand it. Like, oh, to me, that was so disrespectful that you, you, you just can't approach it that way, you know? Yeah. Now, do you want me to go through my seven steps? Yes. Okay. So now if, if you're listening, I do recommend taking a piece of paper and, and taking some notes um, because it will just help see the flow of the conversation as well. And then you can always email questions, et cetera. So first step, and really, really for me, this is, is preparation. And that step is probably about 80% to 90% of sales happens at the preparation stage. So we haven't even met the client or spoken to the client yet because that preparation is going to funnel through the other six steps that follow. So I, I can't emphasize enough showing up and winging it, please stop. It, it doesn't work. You might get lucky once in a while, but if you can't do the rinse and repeat with your current process, you need to tweak it. You need to do something differently, right? You, we, we should be able to manage and understand what results are forthcoming. And that has to happen by the preparation and setting the groundwork for what we're going to do with the client. Step number okay, two can, is- build, Well, before oh, go we ahead. go on to number two, tell yep. us what you mean by preparation, because- uh, you know, I can imagine in the corporate world that the preparation would mean, you know, looking up the company and understanding all of that. But we're, we're, we're solopreneurs over here. Maybe we've got a virtual assistant. We're working with spiritually oriented people. What sort of preparation would you be looking for in the sales process for, for someone like that? know what your packages are. I call them assets or your pantry. This is, I'm a visual learner. So I try to use visual uh, descriptions like the iceberg, right? 95% is subconscious. Think about your pantry. If you're going to bake a cake or you're cooking dinner for your family, you have your ingredients, you know, what's in your pantry. Same thing with every offer you have from your free offer all the way up to your, you know, six figure offers, if you have such a thing, right? Um, so what's the gap? There's a lot going on in there. So what are all your assets? Think about it as a pantry. Every time you meet a customer, you should know, or a potential, a potential customer, you should know what's in your pantry. So when you meet them and you have questions and you get to know them and you understand what they're looking for and where they are and all, and how you can truly serve and help them, you'll know exactly what to pull, what pieces to pull from your pantry to customize the solution for the client. But if we don't think about that, we go in, oh, I'm meeting Jewel. I'm going to talk about my seven-step process and it's my signature class and that's what she should buy. Is it? She might need a one hour, couple of hundred dollar session with me and she's off to the races. So again, who's in front of me? I, I have to go with an open mind and open heart maybe is a better way to say that. So I don't prejudge before I speak to the customer. You have to be locked and loaded and prepared. The other thing that has to happen during preparation 
you have to do a little recon on the person. So look on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever your people play Instagram and just see what they're about. Look at their vibe, look at their posting, because you want to be able to approach them from their perspective. We have many filters with communication. So we want to remove those filters the best we can. So a little pre-work and understanding who that potential client or the client is, is extremely helpful. And then that helps build um, the rest of what we're doing. One last thing, your questions. I have used the same questions for 22 years when I started my business. It's a rinse and repeat. It's in a Word doc. I'm meeting you. I pull out my agenda. I put our names at the top with the date. I send you the agenda in advance. You know the flow of what we're going to go through. I don't, I'm not saying you have to go one, two, three. If you and I have a real conversation, we're conversing, we're adding me into those seven or eight questions that I have. And I'm just writing notes in the applicable space. All of that is preparation. Notice I haven't even talked to the client yet. So they're the kinds of things when I say preparation, really, and you can rinse and repeat that. So your questions right now might not be stellar, rinse and repeat, keep, keep working them, tweaking them until they're, you know, you're locked and loaded and ready to go good to go. You don't have to re- reinvent the wheel every time. Saves time, saves money. Yeah. I'd also add to get your head right. Get your head straight. Because if you're sitting there going, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm worth it. Da, da, da. You're not going to make the sale. So you've got to get your head on straight and be be really clear about your value. Go read all your testimonials, right? Read all your testimonials before you get on a sales call. It's a great way to get your energy aligned with success. So Step number two is building rapport. It takes about 30 seconds for someone to get your vibe or not. We've all met people, you you meet them in seconds and you think, oh, I feel like you and I, Kelly, I feel like I've known you my whole life. There's energetically such a, we can't explain why, right? You're meeting for 30 seconds and you're thinking, why do I like this person so much? That's just such a good mesh. You're building rapport. You're connecting deeply. You're in that, that subconscious realm. That's a good thing. You've also met people where you walk away thinking, hmm, do I still have my wallet in the back pocket? I think I need a shower now where they felt a little icky. We've all had that experience too, right? So I do do say what your recommendation, get to the right mindset, because then when you're in front of that person, your vibration is higher. They're going to connect with you so much more deeply and quickly. It opens the floodgates for what's yet to come in the conversation, that back and forth. It takes about 30 seconds there. So plan it, show up again with your heart open, and that's half the battle. For the empaths out there, go back and listen to the episode on entrainment. Entrainment, E-N-T-R-A-I-N-M-E-T-M-E-N-T. There's an episode on that, and that will also help you with your rapport building. So go ahead. Thank you. Beautiful. Step number three, questions. Again, you could have them prepared in advance, show up with your questions, tweak them, right? If they're, if you're not, here's, here's what I always say with the questioning. So when you get to this third part, because start with preparation, get prepared, then start building rapport and then start working on your questions. Use what you have. Don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you're probably 80% there. It's just that 20% that needs that tweaking. So if your questions aren't working where the the client looks at you like, huh? Or they answer and you're thinking, wow, that is not what I was asking. There's something wrong with your questions, especially if you get that response a couple of times. Then go back when you're calm. Don't beat yourself up during the conversation. It is what it is. Go with it. Flow. Keep going, right? You can't change it in the moment. Afterwards, go back. 
how can you improve those questions now with those tangible examples? And even if you want to ask the client, because I've done that before, say, I was asking for this. You answered that. How did you hear my question? So you could be a little joking about it, but get feedback so it helps you refine your questions. So you get, when you ask it, you know what information you need to get back. Step number four is tethered to this one, and that's active listening. So I'm going to give you a little fun fact here. Humans, we have a six-second attention span. Goldfish have a second, seven-second uh, attention span. We're in, we're in trouble. Humans are in trouble. So with that six-second attention span, we have to be grounded and we have to be present in the moment and truly listen to what the client's saying. So here's some tips. Take notes, whether they're on the computer. I know we have all these wonderful AI tools out there. So whether it's on the computer, I am still, you know, I always have my pad um, out and available. So I'm always taking notes. And then the other thing I do is, let's say, Kelly, you give me an answer and I, you're talking though, you're giving me info and I need this info. I'll write a word. Let's say you're working on your website. I'll write website with a star next to it. I let you keep going. I keep taking my notes. When you finish, I don't want to interrupt because you're on a roll. I'll say, oh, that was such great information, Kel. Now I have, I want to go back. You said something about the website. Let's dig in a little bit there. So notice I let you complete your thought and then I go back. So my code for myself is I just put a little star and then I know to go back and ask those deeper questions. You cannot prepare your follow-up questions during preparation. If you do, you're doing it wrong because you have to be present with the client or the customer to be able to ask those follow-up questions. So that's just a little hack that I use um, to keep the client engaged, but also what happens, and see, I learned this the hard way. I interrupt you and go, oh, wait, 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 let me talk about that website for a minute before we go on. And then I go, okay, what else were you saying? And the client would go, oh, I don't remember. (laughs) I don't know. And it could have been vital information for something, not only one thing that I could sell them, I might be able to sell a fuller package that will serve them even better. But I missed that piece of information because I interrupted. Did that all make sense? Okay. So now if you've done really, really, really good job from one through four, step number five, it's like a beacon of light from heaven shining down saying to you, ta-da, like this is what you need for this client. It becomes crystal clear as to what your offer should be. And then always, always try to customize your solution using that pantry, right? Those assets in your pantry so that you can fully help the client. And then, so it it becomes really obvious again, if you're good one through four, that's why I said before, work on each of the steps. I wouldn't start with my presentation skills, for example, because they might be okay. They might not be okay. But if you're presenting the wrong thing, what good is your presentation skills? So start with one and work your way down. Now, here's the most important thing. Number six is where you actually, after you've presented, now you ask for the business. So here's, in my world, you should not get any objections. If you get an objection, that's okay. It just means that in steps one through five, something went awry. You misstepped. You didn't ask enough questions. um, You waited too long. You didn't build rapport. You weren't prepared enough. There's a lot of moving parts you can see in that steps one through five. When you know that your steps one through five are on point, man, you are rocking it. This is what should happen. One, if the client is truly a good match for what you're doing and you're not 
pushing something on them that they really don't need, um, what'll happen is the client will literally be moving in going, I needed this yesterday. How fast can we do it? It's a perfect fit. There's no negotiation necessary. Just move forward. Go for it. Second thing is I'll say to my client, you're not ready for me yet. You have this and this and this and this and this going on. You're not going to be able to put the time you need to move your, your business forward with the sales. So let's work on those other things. You and I will have conversations. I'll give you little things, maybe like a value statement. I have a template. You could do some homework, things like that. And then three months we could start or a month we could start, whatever that timeline is. You know what's so funny? Whenever I do that, they go, but no, I want it now. And I go, I know because you need it, but you're not ready for it. So you're going to throw money away. You're going to add angst and frustration. What are we doing? Let's play the long game and let's do it with ease and grace, right? Instead of trying to do everything at once. Go ahead. And, and the beautiful thing about that is when you tell somebody no, one, they want it more. And two, you build credibility because- you're looking at them and saying, yeah, I, I want your business, but you're not ready for it. I, I want you to get a result. I'm not just about your money. I'm about your results. So if you're not ready, I'm not going to let you in because you're not going to get your result. I'm not, you're not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy. Nobody's going to be happy. Why would we do that? Right. And that is a huge credibility builder. Massive. Big time. And the funny thing is, <laughs> they refer other people to me. <laughs> I don't even have to ask. Because, oh, you have to meet my friend Kelly. She's so ready for you. And I was like, oh, okay, I would love to meet them. Yes, do an intro email. That was such, oh, I'm so honored, right? All these things that we get to say. Um, truly from the heart, though, right? I'm not making that up. It's truly from the heart. When someone wants to refer me, my I, my 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 heart leaps because it's that's what we're here to do, right? Serve and resonate with others. Um, there's enough money out there to be made. We got to do it the right way. And then the third thing I say is, I'm not the right person for you. You really need to meet Kelly. This is what you're looking for. You're not looking for sales. Or this other person is more in line with your vibration than I am. So they're the only three. Notice I didn't say an objection, but you have to get really good at one through five. So when on six, when you ask for the business, one of those three things happen. Notice though, you're in the driver's seat at all times. So I just want to pop in something about objections. So you're going to screw this up, guaranteed, a lot, right? Until you get it down. And so what I want you to think about when you get an objection is realize that an objection is a gift. An objection is the person on the other end of the line saying, help me make it, help me justify the purchase because they would not give you the objection unless they wanted you to help them overcome it, right? So you have to look at it that way. It's not a roadblock in your way. It's them saying, help me overcome this. They're not saying you suck, you suck, you suck, okay? That's not what that is. And, and with us and our traumatic backgrounds, we often can receive it as a rejection, but it's not. It's actually them saying, hey, there's this roadblock in my way. Could you help me over it? right? And, and so I want you to reposition that in your mind so that you don't get like flustered and upset about it. Two more things on objections, because you are going to get objections. You have not perfected step one through five. That's okay. Give ourselves grace and space to learn, right? So when, when you do get that objection, re after the fact, 
look back. I'm telling you, you, you missed something in steps one through five. The questions weren't good. You weren't listening and present. You didn't ask good follow-up questions. Your recommendation was okay. It could have been better. You forgot something in your pantry. You messed up somewhere. So do that, do that self-reflection after the fact. And I'm not saying beat yourself up, say, ah, now I understand. Ah, that's how I could fix it. Ah, that's how I could fix the question, whatever it might be. And the other thing, when you do get those objections, really write them down because after the fact, when you start to ask the questions, you're going to use objections in your questions so that you can get answers from them. You, what, what happens is you just eliminate the objection altogether. Pro, you're proactively eliminating and addressing the objection during the conversation. So, you know, I might, you might say things like, oh, you know, my clients often say da, 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 da. And you, you know what I have found? The simple solution to that is da, 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 And that's how I help my clients move forward. And they're like, you see them start nodding because subconsciously they were thinking about that same objection. So really, really pay attention, work with it, massage it, play with it a little bit, use it like you said learning tool. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Not worth it. It's just not worth it. And then the last step, and this is the big one I see a lot, the, the beginning and the end, if you will, the, the book, the bookends to the process is where I see people drop the ball, uh, follow-up. They do not do diligent follow-up. So here's the thing. Every client I work with, whether they're corporate or a small business owner, Everybody has a different follow-up process depending on the length of the sales process for you. Some, it could be very quick, the lower price points. The higher price points, you're, you're not going to meet with someone and they're not going to give you $50,000. It just doesn't work that way unless you're God. So, uh, you know, those longer contracts, there's a little bit longer runway. Um, so what does that follow-up look like? But you have to figure out your rhythm, um, with the follow-up, but you can't not, you can't stay, stay relevant. And here, my follow-up I call CPR can my CPR, you know, cause we have to keep the client alive and I'm doing like the paddles when people are being resuscitated, but my CPR is consistent persistent. And the big word for me is always respectful follow-up. So we're not badgering that client or making ourselves a pest. So when they see an email or a phone call, they're like, Oh, what does she want? You're, you're doing the opposite of what you should be doing with the follow-up. And then here's the thing, and I'm going to connect it for you. This is all circular in motion. So when Connie Whitman, her name shows up on your Outlook or whatever your follow-up CRM, whatever it is that you're using, the first thing you do is go look at my file. If we haven't met yet, but I'm meeting with you, start that preparation. So step seven, follow up, and step one, they're tethered together. They kind of go hand in hand. And then the loops just continue over and over and over again. Yeah. So I actually, um, when I, because I agree with you, follow up is like the worst. I used to do sales training for real estate agents that follow up was terrible. I'm like, okay, you know, all those stack of, of sticky notes you have sitting all over your desk that you don't know who they are anymore. That's because your system sucks and you don't follow up. And all of that is lost money because you're never going to call those people again, right? This is the same thing in in this world as well, is that if you're taking, if, so I know a lot of people who run classes, never get sign-in sheets, don't, don't get contact information. There is zero follow-up, right? That step one, get the freaking contact info. Let's start with that, right? Preparation. Then, that was yeah. preparation, so, by the way. <laughs> anytime I'm doing a sales conversation with somebody, I'm going to tell them, look, if they say I need to think about it, which happens once in a while, um, I say, okay, great. Here's the deal. 
because we talk about the, the, the container, right? My, my clients have leaky containers because they, they don't have solid identities. And so, you know, when you have not solid identity, your container leaks. And so you have to build up energy, build up energy, build up energy, and then pull the trigger immediately or else all the energy drains back out. We have that conversation early on when we're, when we're talking about it so that they know that about themselves, which they knew before, but I'm, I'm presencing them to that. Right. And then when the, when they say, I have to think about it, I'm like, okay, but let's set a deadline to thinking about it because I don't want you to have your energy hooked into this. And for so long as it takes for your energy to all drain out, that just drains your energy and it drains you. So let's set a deadline for making a decision one way or the other. And I'm thinking no more than three days because otherwise you're going to have to keep building up that energy. And if you're not building it, then you're going to end up draining and that's not good for you. And so I'm a bit of like a dog with a bone. I'm going to follow up with you until you make a decision. And, you know, I'm, I'm not attached to the decision, you, you know, but I, I want for you to have a solid decision made so that you're not draining energy on it. And so that gives me permission to follow up as many times as I need to in order to get a solid decision out of them. And I just remind them of that on the second, third, fourth, fifth try, right? So on the first try, I'm like, I, can I contact you on this day to get an answer? And they go, oh yeah, you can do that. I'm like, great. Okay. So I get permission for the follow-up for the first one. And then if they duck me on that, then I start with the, okay, remind you, you know, this is the, the draining thing. It's okay to say no, if that's what it is, but I want you to give me a solid answer. And then they come back and say, oh no, no, I'm working on the finances or I've talked to my husband or I haven't had a chance. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then we, we keep going. Right. So it, it's about how you position it as well. The other important thing after the sale, that doesn't mean you stop following up. When you're done working with those people, let's say it's a one and done, something simple. I still follow up with my clients, keep a temperature check of what's going on. Life changes, business changes, family, whatever, whatever you're selling, life changes. We all know that sometimes faster than we like. Um, so if we're not keeping a pulse on what's happening in my client's life, you're leaving what I call passive income behind. Because by me following up, let's say most of my clients, I'll follow up between two and four times a year, quarterly to semi-annually, depending on who the client is and where we are in the process of working together. So, but let's say it's quarterly. So when I reach out to them in three months, something has changed. Even if something's changed before my phone call, because they know that I'm going to be diligent with my, my CPR, right? I'm diligent with my follow-up. Let's say two and a half months, something happens and they need me. They need my resources. They just hired a bunch of new employees, something. They'll call me. It's called being top of mind. It creates passive income that I don't actually, because I'm calling them quarterly, yes, to touch base, but they're making a decision before that next phone call. And they're thinking of me because I've been consistent, persistent, and respectful with my follow-up. So we create this nice flow of passive income with zero effort. It's The, the effort is those quarterly freaking phone calls. How easy can that be? Right. And that's it. That's the seven steps. I'm going to tell you the thing that gets in the way for people is they go, well, what do I talk about on that call? Cause that's what I used to get from real estate agents all the time. It's like, well, I don't know what to say. You know, why am I calling? Why am I bothering them? I don't know what to say. 
here's here's the thing. When you're having, I like when I teach, okay, not only am I having the conversation, Jewel, I'm just going to use you for a sec, right? Not only am I having the conversation right here, right now with Jewel, where she is, what she needs, what's going on, right? Right here, right now. As we're talking, I'm also asking strategic questions about tomorrow and future. And if you do this now, what's that impact and how can, what support do you need? What do you trans, what do you think is going to transpire during what time frame? Blah, blah, right. All of those question questions. And then when I get those answers at the end, when I present, I, I always say, listen, this is what we're going to do right now. This is perfect. We're excited. Yes, yes, yes. Don't forget though, we're going to be meeting and talking three months from now. My gut is you're going to need this piece of it. You don't need it yet. I'll know in the next three months whether that's the next step for you. So I become planning partners for my clients. So when we reach the end of whatever that thing is that we're doing, they say, okay, what's next? And I go, well, I've been observing and kind of testing things. I think this would be the next piece. And so you're always that follow up. You, you know what you're going to talk about because we talked about it in the first meeting and then we kind of talked about it in the second meeting. You have to keep the flow, but you have to keep the connectivity. I can't just call Jewel and go, so what's changed? Cause I'm looking for more business, right? Like that's such a disconnect. But if I go, so remember we were talking, tell me where you stand. Where's the trajectory of that project? Let's talk. Do you think we need that? Um, my gut is we might've to wait a little bit, right? I'm having a conversation about stuff we already talked about and there's your connectivity long-term. Yeah. Did I answer and that? I will say that? Yeah, that was a great answer. And and I'm going to say that you also don't have to like be on the phone with somebody to follow up necessarily. So like you, you can stay in relationship by just saying, oh, I know this about this person and they I just saw this in an article somewhere. I'm just going to send it to them and say, hey, I thought about you. I thought that you would love this. And that's it. That's It's, it's just a touch point that keeps you top of mind and positively oriented. Let's and, ground that even further. When you and I started two years ago, because we're only 20, right? <laughs> when we started in our youth, um, we didn't have the technology that we have now. So follow-up literally would be a phone call because we didn't have email, we didn't have computers. So it was either a phone call or a handwritten note, snail mail. Well, fa- and and c- customers needed to hear from us five times before they remembered us and trusted us. Now that no like trust is is so much faster. Unfortunately, they need more from us because there's so much noise and we have a six second attention span. Did I mention that before? Right. So now what what happens is the um, oh, what was I saying? I just lost it. Follow up and not having. Oh, follow up. I'm really. I am dating myself. There we go. Now that that five touches has become fifteen to eighteen touches before people will buy from us, and it's as easy as sharing an article. They post something on Facebook or LinkedIn, comment or Instagram, comment, engage. Let them know you're there, even when they're not buying from you right now. Stay relevant and in their orbit in these other ways. So when we talk about that 15 touches, it's kind of easy. It could be an email. They could be part of your newsletter, uh, whatever. But they're all touches now, where years ago it was much, it was actually harder, even though it was less. So I just wanted to ground that in some numbers. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, this has been great. We're running over. I'm going to wrap us up. Um, so Connie, tell us where they can find you. Go, just go to my website, changingthesalesgame.com. There's a communication style assessment right on that page. It's my gift to everybody. Um, just helps you understand your natural communication superpowers and your blind spots. You get reports with that. Um, and if you have a question specifically for me, Connie at changing the sales game. 
practice your ESP. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Thank right, you, guys. Well, Thank you. <laughs> well, this all, this is all that we have time for this week, folks. Um, tune in next time when Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Jules here with Kelly and Connie, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, y'all. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Are you a spiritual practitioner or a coach who is looking to be able to be more abundant in your business, but you don't really know how to do that? You'd love to create a group program, but you don't know what you would necessarily talk about. And you really just love some help in getting the business off the ground. And you'd really love to not have to do everything yourself. Well, then I have good news for you. My spiritual coach certification program is the way for you to be able to build a high ticket business with very little effort and to have a partner in the business along the way. We do all of the back end for you. We do all your tech. We do all of the payment processing. We do all of the onboarding, all of the customer service. And all you have to do is market, sell, and deliver on your courses. So if you'd like to learn more about this program and how it might work for you, reach out to me at spiritualcoachcertification.us and set up a discovery call. I look forward to talking with you.